everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including a whole bunch to get to in the National Football League. Ron Rivera is out. That decision announced by the Carolina Panthers very soon, minutes after the conclusion of our show yesterday. We will dive into not only that decision and welcome your phone calls, right or wrong, the call by the new owner, David Tepper. Who's next? Whom do you want to see as the next Panthers head coach? Why now? We actually have David Tepper's answer in his own words to that question. Why not wait until the end of the regular season if you were going to let Ron Rivera go after nine seasons of far more good football than bad. And remember, for about five and a half years, Ron Rivera had the Panthers, I would argue, among the top half dozen franchises in the entire NFL. Now, I say five and a half years because mid-season last year, Cam not only was hurt, but it became clear that he couldn't keep playing. So a six and two start became a playoff miss in David Tepper's first year as the owner. And now this year, of course, has gotten away after Cam was a shadow of himself early. And it's been more the Kyle Allen show and even a mediocre defense and mediocre special teams to go with a mediocre offense outside of Christian McCaffrey. For five and a half seasons through mid-2018, the Panthers were up there, yes, behind the Patriots and a few others, but not many others. Playoffs in 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2017, and then that 6-2 and two start in 2018. That's five and a half years of really good football in almost nine seasons of Ron Rivera. Right decision or wrong decision by David Tepper? Why now? David Tepper will answer that in his own words. Ron Rivera absolutely says... He plans to be a head coach in the NFL again, and he will get that chance. There will be vacancies across this league at the end of this season. The two-time NFL coach of the year, numerically, of course, he is the winningest coach in Panthers history. 76 wins, 63 losses, and one tie. I would argue subjectively that he is the greatest head coach in the history of the Carolina Panthers. Dom Capers for four years, George Seifert for three, John Fox for nine, and now Ron Rivera for almost nine. He was the only one with four postseason trips. He and John Fox each made one Super Bowl trip, but Ron Rivera has the most wins and the best winning percentage in the history of the Carolina Panthers football organization. I think we should all raise a glass and tip our cap in his honor. A very good coach, maybe not an elite coach, but certainly above average, as expected, as reflected in that record, and the best in Panthers history title. Also, by all accounts, among those in the media, fan base, and those closer to him in the locker room and on that coaching staff, an even better guy than he is a football coach. So we wish him well wherever he goes next. He was great to us at the David Glenn Show as a regular guest over these last nine years, sometimes calling in from places like the Pro Bowl or the playoffs, uh, on the road, uh, always by, by phone, of course. We get, did get to greet him and thank him in person. 
when he was up here in the triangle uh, attending, I believe it was a North Carolina Courage women's soccer match. So I got to thank him and his wife, Stephanie, a couple years ago for how they've always treated the show. So we wish them well, whatever is next on their journey. It will be in the NFL. It probably will be this coming season. Meanwhile, David Tepper and the Panthers have some big decisions to make. They have time, of course, to interview potential coaching candidates and pull the trigger on that decision. Why the decision? Why now? Right or wrong? You can jump in on the other side as we have a couple great guests on the way. One of them, of course, on this Carolina Panthers situation and other NFL. In case you had not heard, other breaking news, Ron Rivera's 35-minute long meeting with the media earlier today, filled with class and dignity and thoughtful answers to reporters' questions. Remember, there's not always a farewell interview. When you get fired, I'd say a majority of the time, there's no chance to chat with the media. I think it is a sign of an amicable divorce and certainly a sign of David Tepper's respect for Ron Rivera and the respect he knows that the guys in that locker room have for Ron Rivera, that the Panthers, of course, were willing to play host to Ron Rivera's sometimes emotional, sometimes filled with laughter, sometimes filled with defiance. And Ron Rivera defending his track record, he ended it, with some humor and with class, he said thank you to everybody and shook some hands on his way out the door, literally. He also brought up a T-shirt with the phrase missed opportunities. He knows that he used that phrase a lot, especially this last season and a half, as the Panthers had a whole bunch of those opportunities, even under tricky circumstances, but simply could not get enough wins in the eyes of David Tepper for Ron Rivera to keep his job. We have the best of Ron Rivera from earlier today, his answers. We have David Tepper, the best of the owner in his own words. He had a conversation with our recent guest, Bill Voth, from the Panthers' official team website. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the NFL, and yes, we'll get to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Last night, Louisville and Duke showed why, as I and others believe, they are the two best teams in the ACC, and two of the top contenders for the national championship, the Devils went to Michigan State and just dominated the Spartans. Right there on Draymond Green's retirement jersey ceremony night, Tom Izzo, the coach of the Spartans, actually said that he was embarrassed that the Spartans did not put up a better fight in the rare example of the Breslin Center hosting the top 10 Blue Devils and Hall of Fame coach Mike Krzyzewski. More on the very impressive Duke win. That's the nature of the college basketball world, right? Duke loses at home, the stone-cold stunner at the hands of Stephen F. Austin, and then they're on the road against a preseason number one Michigan State team and they not only beat the Spartans, they win by double digits, and frankly, it wasn't even as close as the final score. Louisville absolutely smothered a previously unbeaten and ranked number four in the nation Michigan team. I'll offer more of my thoughts on those matchups from last night and welcome yours. Tonight, remember, number seven UNC hosts number six Ohio State. The Buckeyes have not lost yet this season. The Tar Heels are off to a six and one start. Notre Dame is at Maryland. UVA is at Purdue. Among the early matchups tonight, late night, along with Carolina against Ohio State in Chapel Hill. Wisconsin visits NC State and Wake Forest is at Penn State. The Hurricanes lost at Boston last night. They were grinding for about 56 minutes 
to a scoreless draw with the team with the best record in the NHL, the Boston Bruins, the team that eliminated them after that fantastic bunch of jerks run last year. It was, in the end, 2-0 Bruins over Canes after a couple of late goals past the backup netminder, James Reimer, who to that point had played more splendid hockey between the pipes for the Canes. Elsewhere in the NFL, Cam Newton will have surgery on his injured foot, after all. Remember, the earlier doctor's reports did not recommend surgery. Cam's team probably purposely put it out right now that Cam is going to have surgery because just as the Panthers have to make a decision on their next head coach, they have to make a decision on the future of their quarterback who is under contract for next year. But... He's in a salary cap situation where if the Panthers trade or cut ties with Cam Newton, they are saving about $19 million in salary cap space. Elsewhere in the NFL, how about this news from earlier today? It appears that Eli Manning will get a farewell tour with the New York Giants after all. Former Duke star Daniel Jones is ailing. And that means when the Giants, who of course are way out of the playoff picture, but the two-time Super Bowl champ Eli Manning is expected to be promoted from backup in what may be his final NFL season, we'll see. He'll get the start on Monday Night Football in that national TV spotlight against the rival Philadelphia Eagles. More on those NFL stories with your phone calls and reactions and questions about the Panthers' big news of the last 24 hours. Was it the right decision or the wrong decision by David Tepper? More of my thoughts with your calls. Why now? My thoughts and David Tepper in his own words. And why at all? Marty Herney is staying in some capacity. David Tepper even complimented the GM's uh, talent as an evaluator of college football players. Didn't guarantee that Herney would keep the GM label, but did say that the front office shakeup is going to include adding a vice president of football operations and adding an assistant general manager. More on what that means and what it doesn't mean as we pick over the ACC Big Ten Challenge and other college basketball. A little Canes, a lot of Panthers, obviously, with Ron Rivera moving on, and some college football as well. What did last night's college football playoff committee rankings tell us about what's going to happen this coming Sunday, when after all these conference championship games, they have to put out the one set of rankings that actually matters most, and that is really mostly about the top four. Who's in, who's out, and in some cases, who is headed elsewhere. More on those repercussions as we mix in some college football along with the Ron Rivera ACC Big Ten Challenge and other headlines of the day. Chaz Surratt, First-team All-ACC linebacker with the North Carolina Tar Heels is headed to a bowl game for the first time in his career and is a member of a brotherhood, and I mean that in the real sense. Brother Sage Surratt, wide receiver at Wake Forest, was first-team All-ACC as that team was announced yesterday. And Chaz Surratt, also first-team All-ACC. We only had a handful of in-state guys on the first-team All-ACC squad. Two of them were our brothers, Chaz Surratt of the Tar Heels is going to join us live in about 20 minutes. Joe Person of the Athletic Carolina will be our NFL and Carolina Panthers guest of the day. He was there, of course, as Ron Rivera spent 30 minutes or so with the assembled media at his farewell press conference. The best of Ron Rivera in his own words from today. The best of David Tepper in his own words from the last 24 hours as well. 
your reactions and your questions to the big NFL news right here in our backyard. Ron Rivera out after almost nine seasons as the head coach of your Carolina Panthers. 1-800-849-2761. You're welcome to jump in on those NFL questions. I'll get to the rest of my thoughts on the college hoops, NHL, NBA, college football, and NFL headlines of the day. Both guests are later. Your phone calls can be now. 1-800-849-2761. Why fire a guy you respect this much now? Why not wait until the end of the regular season? My thoughts and David Tepper, Panthers owner, in his own words, next on the David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. I'm proud that I took over to a 14 team and won back-to-back-to-back NFC South division titles. I want to reemphasize back-to-back-to-back. Whether you define it by wins or losses or you define it by winning the division, okay? So I want to make sure we're straight on that. I get tired of hearing, oh, they couldn't win three years in a row, two years in a row. No, we won three years in a row. And we were the first team in the NFC South to do it, so I'm pretty doggone proud of that. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Ron Rivera from earlier today, 35 minutes of class and dignity and thoughtful answers to reporters' questions. Right there, you got defiant Ron Rivera. He knows that this franchise is more than two decades old. There have been, by the end of this season, it will be 27 seasons of Carolina Panthers NFL football. He knows that there have never been, under anybody's watch, back-to-back winning seasons. But they did make the playoffs that one year at 7-8-1. and one. And he wore a championship ring to today's press conference. And I think his best point can be backed up by this. From the beginning of the 2013 season through midway in the 2018 season, that's a five-and-a-half-year period out of Ron Rivera's almost nine years as the Panthers head coach. The Panthers were one of the top half-dozen franchises in the NFL, period. 7-8-1 and one is not pretty. But he deserved a lot of credit. In fact, he said earlier today, and if you missed the press conference, I encourage you to check it out. If you care about the Panthers, maybe you're an admirer, as I am, of Ron Rivera. Right decision or wrong decision by David Tepper. We can debate. We're taking your calls right now. Why now? We have David Tepper, in his own words, answering that question for you shortly. Why fire Ron Rivera at all if he's the guy who did that for five and a half years? And the main thing that changed since the 6-2 and two start of last season was your unavailable $20 million man starting quarterback, Cam Newton. A lot of other things went wrong. Other guys got injured, and Ron Rivera has to take some of the blame for two straight non-playoff seasons, of course. But Ron Rivera is right to say that he did a lot more good than bad with the Carolina Panthers. He is right to believe that for five and a half years, he was in charge of one of the top half dozen franchises in the NFL. David Tepper, of course, is only in year two. So he doesn't have the buzz feeling from 2013, 14, 15, or 17. He's got last year's debacle on his watch, and he's got this year's debacle on on his watch, and he decided to make a change. As we welcome your calls, why now? 
who's next, whom do you want to see as the next Panthers head coach. And as we look forward to Joe Person, who was there at Ron Rivera's press conference, he'll join us in about 40 minutes from the Athletic Carolina. Chaz Surratt, UNC first-team All-ACC linebacker, and that's a guy who was playing quarterback last year. Rare transition and certainly extra rare to this level of success. Chaz Surratt live in about 10 minutes. Your phone calls now after the one thing we promised. David Tepper, in his own words, of course there was going to be a debate about Ron Rivera. There are only six coaches who have been in their positions as NFL head coaches longer than Ron Rivera. Of those six, five are Super Bowl champions. The sixth is Jason Garrett of Dallas, who, according to Jay Glazer, will be fired by the Dallas Cowboys unless the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. The bottom line is, if you're around this long, a decade or close to it, and you don't reach the promised land, and you have back-to-back -back bad seasons, you're probably not going to get the benefit of the doubt, especially if your boss, the guy who signs your checks, is not the guy who hired you. That was Jerry Richardson more than nine years ago. David Tepper is in charge now. And it was a fair question. Why now? Today's farewell tour by Ron Rivera was done with dignity and grace and cooperation by the Panthers. Again, most fired head coaches don't have goodbye press conferences that are touchy-feely to the point of shaking hands with reporters at the end of the 35-minute exchange. David Tepper, of course, allowed that, endorsed that, said nice things about Ron Rivera, and of course fielded the question, speaking to Bill Voth from the team's official website, it's one thing to believe that this has run its course, that Ron Rivera had to go, that so many other things have been rebooted, that you might as well reboot at the head coaching position as well. It's another thing to fire him midseason. That sounds disrespectful toward a guy that you're claiming you respect. David Tepper had kind of a two-part answer to that question. Here's what he said. Look, a very hard move. Ron Rivera, besides being a good coach, is one of the finest men I've ever met in my life. I'll just say that up front. I just thought it was time, given the way things have gone the last two seasons, to put my stamp on this organization on the football side. And as much respect as I have for Ron, um, I think a change was appropriate to build things the way I want things to be built. Quite frankly, you know, our season is not over, but as far as making the playoffs, it's just that, you know, I can make the change now, I can make it later. There's competitive reasons why I want to make sure that we were out there looking at all personnel possible for the future. I don't want to, in any way, shape, or form, didn't want to be having inquiries where Ron didn't know what I was doing. I don't want to be doing things uh, not up front. It's just not who I am. So I'd rather be straight up and honest. If I'm going to make a change, I'm going to make a change. And not to get a competitive disadvantage over other teams. If I need to talk to people, I want to talk to them, and I want to do it in a straightforward, honest way. I know in the social media world where people tend to give over-emotional reactions without thinking things through, without having all the facts, without putting themselves in anybody else's shoes, it's the worst part of social media. And there, yes, there are good parts of it as well. There was some ridiculous, over-the-top personal attacks toward David Tepper among those who, as I do, like and respect and admire Ron Rivera as a football coach, best in Panthers history, and even more so as a man that I got to know a little bit with his wife Stephanie in a few person-to-person -person exchanges and, of course, a lot of interviews here on the David Glenn Show. David Tepper should not be attacked on those grounds. You could disagree with his decision, 
but attacking his integrity when he just laid out the why. The why includes really three things. One, David Tepper has already rebooted everything else about the Carolina Panthers and really a lot of things about his own life. This is a guy 62 years old who's worth more than $12 billion. He is the wealthiest owner of an NFL team and one of the wealthiest people ever to own a professional sports franchise in all of North America. I mean, ever. That's the kind of guy who's going to be in charge of this coaching search, so you know money will not be a restriction. Salary cap limits what you can pay your football players overall. No such thing as a salary cap for how you build your new head coach, your new vice president of football operations, your assistant general manager to work with uh, Marty Herney. It sounds like he is staying. He's giving a football reboot boot to an organization where he's already done a complete reboot last year on the business side. He's already done a partial reboot in terms of analytics. They hired away from my Philadelphia Eagles an MIT grad who's great at football analytics and started to sprinkle that among the Panthers players and coaches at a time when most other franchises had already turned that corner, and David Tepper was surprised that the Panthers were, in his eyes, behind on that learning curve. When you've already made plans for your state-of-the-art facility in South Carolina, the guy, even within the last five years, divorced his longtime wife and married his girlfriend. He shut down, for the most part, the hedge fund that made him a billionaire. He relocated to Charlotte. He's active in the community. I mean, there was almost nothing left. What's he, Christmas shopping? There was almost nothing. He's about to lure an MLS franchise to the city of Charlotte. That announcement is expected by the end of the calendar year. And, of course, he already knows how that's going to go because he's the guy who did most of the footwork on that. And he is the number one reason by far that our state is going to add Major League Soccer to a sports culture that already includes the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, NASCAR, college sports, and all sorts of other great things. Why now? I'm not going to be the guy, as a man of integrity, who's perceived to be running around behind the back of Ron Rivera, stabbing him while he's still coaching the Carolina Panthers. He said in that audio piece, Ron Rivera is one of the finest men I've ever met in my life. He didn't have to say that. You don't want to be the guy who lets Ron Rivera coach the end of the season. That sounds like the right thing to do as a starting point, right? But not if you believe you need and want a competitive advantage to get out there, see who's available, and make the best decision possible in what is, of course, one of the most important decisions in the history of the Carolina Panthers organization. When they got it wrong with George Seifert, Panthers fans suffered for not only Seifert's three years, but more than that. When they got it better, when John Fox, there were three postseason trips. There was a trip to the Super Bowl. When they made their best decision ever in Panthers history by hiring Ron Rivera nine years ago to be the head coach, four postseason trips, that amazing 15 in one year, a Super Bowl trip, and the winningest coach in the history of the franchise. They got to get this next one right. There's a competitive advantage to letting Ron Rivera go now. There's a transparency and integrity issue in play. If you're going to be searching for the next guy, you don't want to be running around on the current guy. And the football reboot, as David Tepper said, it was only a matter of time. The guy has reorganized every other aspect of that organization, even beyond football, and it was only a matter of time before he got around to taking the deeper dive into the football part. Joe Person, live from Charlotte on all things Panthers. Why now? 
Was it the right call? Who's next? And all the rest. Chaz Surratt joins us on the other side. The UNC linebacker, formerly the Tar Heels starting quarterback, made that unconventional transition and turned it into a first-team All-ACC season. And, of course, with his teammates, a trip to a bowl game. His brother at Wake Forest is an All-ACC first-team wide receiver. Sage Surratt is the Deacon. Chaz Surratt is the Tar Heel. He joins us next on the David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. To the David Glenn Show, a lot more on the Carolina Panthers and other NFL, of course. We'll get to the ACC Big Ten Challenge as well. But joining us now is one of the most amazing stories that I have followed here in 2019 anywhere in our state, at any level, in any sport. Chaz Surratt was North Carolina's starting quarterback last year. He was also at the high school level, the parade All-American quarterback, Gatorade's North Carolina Player of the Year. He was at East Lincoln High School prior to signing with the Tar Heels. Well, he's just made first team All-ACC, and he did so as a linebacker. That is not a story you hear very often. The Tar Heels of Mac Brown are going to a bowl as well in year one, part two of Coach Brown's tenure in Chapel Hill. Chaz Surratt, congratulations and welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Tell us how this works. We almost never hear of the quarterback to linebacker transition. I've heard quarterback to wide out, quarterback to D-back, quarterback to running back. Whose idea was it that you would go from college quarterback to college linebacker? Um, it was at the end of the last season. My parents, me and my parents both kind of talked and we thought it was best for me. And then so, you know, when Matt, Coach Brown came in, I just asked him, you know, I, I could try it out in the spring and see how it went. And, you know, I'm appreciative of him, you know, let me do it and try and go go for it. How much does it help that you went from so many years of being the guy getting hit or, you know, being the guy that had to figure out passing angles and route trees and stuff uh, when you had to be on the other end of all those things? Uh, I think that definitely helped um, learning deep, like learning what I had to do on defense. Cause I already knew, you know, coverage and stuff like that. And then when I got out there, like I could see Tennessee's baseball formation. So I think all that quarterback, you know, knowledge I had prior really helped me on the defensive side. When was the last time you actually played regular snaps on the defensive side of the ball prior to spring practice under Mac Brown? Are we going back to the high school or middle school or, or like um, never? Yeah, probably, probably my freshman year. I played some, um, played a little bit um, when, when the team needed me to play defense. But before that, it was probably middle school. Your brother Sage also got first team All ACC honors. How does that work? Do you guys is that meaningful to you? Did you call each other, or uh, did somebody you know have to tell you about it, or were you kind of looking to see when the team came out? Um, well, we were actually with each other. We had to go back home for a day, so we were with each other, and so both our media guys kind of told us at the same time. So we were really happy, like we finding out the news together. You know, we were really excited about it. When Sage had that season-ending injury, I guess it was last month, 
Does a brother based in Chapel Hill get to visit in person a brother based in Winston-Salem? Uh, or in nowadays, do you guys just call each other or, or keep in touch in some other way? Because, you know, I mean, brother to brother, that was an incredibly sad ending to his sensational season. Yeah, it was tough. I was watching the game at home and uh, seeing him, you know, get hurt like that, you know, hurts me too. Um, but he got to come up for the Duke game. So that was my first time seeing him just since the surgery. And, you know, it was good to see him. Um, hate seeing him in a sling, but, you know, he's rehabbing now. He's going to be better next year. I've interviewed him as well. You guys both seem like kind of humble, soft-spoken guys. Is there trash talk like the Deeks beat the Tar Heels this year? Does Sage rub it into Chaz in any way after the game or in the aftermath or over Thanksgiving dinner or in any other way? Um, he didn't do so after the game, but now – I'm starting to hear about it, <laughs> uh, especially last time I was home, you know, talking about don't come in BB&T anymore and expect to win, stuff <laughs> like that. So, so I definitely hear from him now. Does it even the scales at all that you both made first team all ACC? Like with that, I mean, nobody has the upper hand there, right? You're just proud of each other? Yeah, both. I mean, we're, we know how hard we each other work and then, you know, make our family, you know, our mom and dad proud, that, you know, put so much into us to be able to do that um, for them as well as the rest of our family. You know, it was just a proud moment for all of our family. UNC linebacker Chaz Surratt is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He and his, br his brother Sage at Wake Forest were both named first-team All-ACC football players a little bit earlier this week. Both also headed to bowl games, although I assume Sage's injury will still keep him out of that. Uh, you, you know how little kids look up to you and your brother or your UNC teammates. If one of them asked you, Chaz, how did you so quickly become so good at a position that you had never played or at least not in a long, long time? In other words, I know a lot of coaches who respect you so much that they knew you'd figure it out, figure it out eventually. But to be one of the best in the league in your first year, that's just crazy, man. How much video work, physical work, mental work, or whatever went into making this story happen? Um, I think just from the from the start, you had to believe in yourself. You had to have the confidence that you can go out there and do it. Um, from then, it was the process of getting my body ready um, in the winter and summer, uh, working with the strength staff, you know, eating a whole lot. And then as well as that, just a lot of film I was watching, um, you know, with the coaches on my own, um, you know, try to prepare myself the best I could, you know, to go out there and make a difference this year. So I think all the work, you know, prior to this season is one of the main factors why, you know, I had had a successful year this year. Did freshman quarterback sensation Sam Howell need any quarterback advice from linebacker Chaz Surratt? Yeah, I would just tell him, you know, be calm, be poised, um, do what you do. Um, and I think he did that all year. Um, he, he never let, let any any mistake or anything, you know, affect him like too much. And he would just play the next play. You know, I'm real proud of how he did this year too. I'm trying to remember how many QBs you worked against back in the spring or even August practice. Was there a time, and for those who don't know, uh, Sam Howell just set the all-time most touchdown pass record in the history of uh, FBS football for a true freshman QB. Was there a moment where you, as a linebacker, said, wow, this kid straight out of high school not only may be ready to start for the Tar Heels right out of the gate, but might even be special for the Tar Heels right out of the way gate? Um, yeah, I mean, you could see the talent when he, when he, got, when he stepped on campus. Um, but then I think after spring, he got he got back in the film room and, you know, worked a little more 
uh, coming to fall camp, you could see he'd be ready, you know, to, to, to lead the team and play well. After fall camp, I felt good about how he played, and I was confident in his ability. I mean, during fall camp, you kind of see how much he progressed from spring, and then after that, the season, he just got better and better and better each game. Do mom and dad know how they're going to handle bowl season? I mean, I guess if Sage is not playing, I'm just trying to think as a parent myself. I would I would want to support both sons, but if I had to pick only one or the other, I would probably yeah. go to see Chaz play somewhere. Yeah, I think they're both going to come to my game. Um, since I think it'd be tough if Sage is playing, but since I'm, play, I'm playing, I think they'll just come to my game. Among your UNC teammates, do you guys follow all the bowl speculation? Are you rooting for a certain destination? Have you heard that one is more likely than the other, or how does that work? Do you guys just wait and you know, and, and until you get your assignment, you don't think about it too much? Um, for me, I'm just waiting to see until it comes out. But a lot of our teammates are talking about the different bowls. There's been so many different projections. There's like four or five different places they're projecting us to go. So, um, you know, one of them we heard was playing Texas and down in Florida, which would be a good one. But you know, we don't. You don't ever know until it comes out. So. That's all I'm waiting for. Chaz Surratt of UNC is joining us on the David Glenn Show. How are you and your brother thinking about the longer-term future, you know, the National Football League? What are your prospects there? What's your timetable there? And how do you view uh, a decision that I guess uh, you might not have thought you'd even have to make uh, a while back? Uh, you know, we're just we're – just, I'm still trying to get to the season, so that's all I'm worried about right now. Um, but for that, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for stage. But I'll just see where my prospects lies after this year. And then if not, I'll come back next year and you know, try, to, try to get better um, you know, each day, improve as much as I can. Because I'm, I'm still new to the position. So you know, I'm just trying, trying to get at the best I can be uh, by the end of next year too. How do you describe, Chaz, I mean, you're a competitive guy and your redshirt freshman season in 2017 and your uh, sophomore season last year, you know, you guys, I think, won a total of five games. H how do you describe how you all as players or Mac Brown and his staff or all of the above, it, it just feels like an amazing reversal. I saw empty stadiums before. I saw mostly full stadiums. I saw only five wins over two years, and now you guys got six and bowl eligible this year. How do you put into words what must have felt like just a, a massive swing in the pendulum for UNC football in a whole lot of different ways? I mean, yeah, I think it's special Coach Brown. Um, excitement he he's brought to our players and our fans. I mean, the fans were great this year. I think we sold out, you know, every every home game. So that definitely helps. And just seeing the momentum we you know we've carried through through the season, and hopefully to win this last bowl game will be big for our program. And then I mean, I think it's it's going to help in recruiting. Um, you know, get those good guys in here. And I think it's, our program is really you know on on the up end. So we're all, we're all looking forward to it. I'm trying to remember, do you already know what bowl swag is all about? Because I'm trying to think, in 2016, you, didn't you redshirt with the Tar Heels? Did yeah, that? We, went, we went to the Sun Bowl, but I got to go to that, yeah. Okay, cool. So you already have a little bit of an idea. Yeah. Tell, tell us what that is like because, I mean, you know, there's so many rules about what you guys are not allowed to take as college athletes. And one thing I've always heard about guys who go to bowl games is like, man, yeah, we get like – 500 or stuff, 500 dollars or so worth of either free stuff or a shopping spree, and it just, of course, it's all legal because it's through, through the bowl. But it just seems like a whole different world beyond the football game itself. 
Yeah, um, you do get you, you get some more gear, some some travel stuff. Um, the coaches already talked about. We probably get some more team shoes, some new Jordans, um, and then along with that, the bowl gifts that are at the game. Uh, I remember last time we got to pick uh, like maybe two things that two or three things that that we like, um, and then you get a much a much larger per diem. Um, since we're not in school, we'll we'll get extra money. For the bowl game, I, I think last time it was like five, four fifty, five hundred dollars, something like that. So yeah, there's a lot to go comes with going to a bowl game. So you know, all our players are excited for that. As we let you go, and certainly congratulate you and your whole family and your brother Sage for all these success stories. Since this is year four of college for you, if I remember correctly, are you in a place academically where you know if the NFL told you what you wanted to hear, that you would be able to? kind of turn pro with a year of eligibility remaining, but still also have your diploma in hand, you know, by whenever the end of this spring or something. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I graduate in December. Okay. Um, so yeah. So this month I mean, you I'm mean? Still, yes, sir. I'm okay. graduating December 15th. Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, I have graduated, but you know, it depends on what, what I hear back from the NFL. Yeah. Um, they probably want me to have a little bit more experience is what I'm thinking. Yeah. But you never know. Um, so I'm just trying to get better and just work harder. Man, it's cool. I'm like trying to put myself in Chaz's shoes. If you got to hang out in Chapel Hill for one more year, maybe improve your draft status, and you already have your diploma, I mean, I guess there are NCAA rules. Like, you have to take some classes, right? You can't just you can't just party for your fifth year in yeah. college and play football, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I, I forget what those rules that. are, but you got to take <laughs> at least a couple classes just to justify your place on a college campus, if I remember correctly. Yes, sir. <laughs> Chaz Surratt is his name. He is a first team All ACC linebacker, and the brothers have done it again. Brother Sage at Wake Forest uh, is a first team All ACC wide receiver. Congratulate your mom and dad for me, man. I appreciate your stories as young men, but. Uh, Putting myself in their shoes, they must have done a whole lot right with you and your brother, given uh, how you've turned out as people and football players. So congratulations and thank you for your time on the David Glenn Show. Thank you. I appreciate it. You got it. He was an All-American for East Lincoln High School, signed with the Tar Heels in 2016, redshirted, then was the quarterback in 2017 as a redshirt freshman, only played a little bit last year, and then was that first-time superstar linebacker this year as the Tar Heels did a lot better than most people thought as a team, finishing 6-6 six and six and headed to a bowl game, of course. And I don't know how anybody could have forecast. I mean, think of Isaiah Simmons of Clemson is – is, I, I don't know if this is out yet. I think he's going to be the defensive player of the year in the ACC. Is that announced? That's official already? All right. So, so Clemson's linebacker, he's kind of a hybrid guy, Isaiah Simmons. He went into this year as one of the favorites – to be the defensive player of the year in the Atlantic Coast Conference. So he's on, of course, the 12-0 Tigers. We're going to get to see them in Charlotte on our big tailgate tour stop at the ACC championship game as Clemson faces Virginia. But essentially, the guy who got the most votes for ACC de- defensive player of the year was the guy who back in August everybody thought would be the best player in the league on the defensive side of the ball. The guy who got the second most votes for defensive player of the year in the Atlantic Coast Conference is the guy we just talked to who was a quarterback for his entire career in high school and for the first three years of his time in Chapel Hill. That's just crazy. That just does not happen. And because he's got such a good head on his shoulders, everybody thought he could pull it off in the long run. 
the fact that he pulled it off to that degree so quickly is really just a stunning, amazing story. Story, and one of the reasons that we reached out. Appreciate Chaz Surratt of UNC for dropping by. Shout out to his mom and dad and his brother Sage for the the rest of that just stunning success story. One eight hundred eight four nine two seven six one. Back to the Panthers, the NFL, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, the dismissal of Ron Rivera as head coach. We have more of Coach Rivera in his own words. Thirty-five minutes of class and dignity and thoughtful answers, but also some defiance in defending his track record as the nine-year head coach of the Panthers. More from Ron Rivera and more from David Tepper. The Panthers owner did speak to the official team website. He answered the why now, why fire Ron at midseason question. We gave you that earlier. More of the best of Tepper, more of the best of Rivera, and of course, your answers to our questions. Why? Why now? Right or wrong decision by David Tepper. And who's next? Whom do you want to see as the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers? I can tell you a few names that you should roll your eyes at when you hear them and some other names that you might want to take more seriously, even though it's, of course, a guessing game at this very early stage. 1-800-849-2761. Back to those topics and your phone calls next on The David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? How does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I I hope it's not awkward. (laughs) Um, You know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Appreciate UNC's Chaz Surratt for dropping by on his way to a bowl game while collecting first-team All-ACC honors. Joe Person will join us live from Charlotte, the NFL and Panthers writer for The Athletic Carolina, an outstanding website to which I also am a contributor. Joe Person was there as Ron Rivera met earlier today for 35 minutes with the media, talked about his future. He, quote, absolutely plans to be a head coach in the NFL again. Talked about his past, was asked about special relationships with Greg Olson, Eric Reed, Cam Newton, and others. Where do the Panthers go now? Why did David Tepper pull the trigger here in early December rather than the end of the season? What is Marty Herney's role going to be moving forward? Who might be next? Panthers have had, had only four full-time head coaches in the history of their franchise. The last two, John Fox and Ron Rivera, were in place for essentially nine seasons each. Who's next? Who's going to be David Tepper's first pick since he paid that record $2.2-plus billion to be the majority owner of the Carolina Panthers? We'll get into these questions and more with Joe Person. We'll get to more of your reaction to yesterday's big news with phone calls later, and I'll help you understand which names you should roll your eyes at when you hear next Panthers coach. Joe's next. Roy Williams, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. (laughs) Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.